every time she comes out with a big album, it gets snubbed for album of the year. They're just trying to break her soul. <laughs> <laughs> but they won't. They won't. Exactly. <laughs> Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business. Your business, business. LeBron James has now passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to have scored the most points in the history of the NBA. Shouts to his family, his wife, his kids, his mom, because all athletes know it takes our whole family to accomplish something great. Salute to the king. This week on MoCo, we're talking Grammys. Snoop posted on his Instagram the rappers with the most wins, and it shocked us all to find out he has zero. That set the table for our discussion about Beyonce. We will have Will Blackman on to discuss the NFL and, of course, the Super Bowl. And Bruce Jackson joins us to talk about his book, Never Far From Home, My Journey from Brooklyn to Hip Hop, Microsoft and the Law, which is available everywhere. We're rolling, y'all. Let's go. What's up? What's up, good people? So listen, sports is doing its thing. Sports is sporting. Sports is the greatest show on earth. I always say this, that sports is greater than reality TV. And we're seeing this live, whether it's the trades that Kyrie just demanded and then got traded two days later from the Brooklyn Nets to now the Dallas Mavericks, where he's going to be teaming up with Luka Doncic. We also found it interesting that Joe Sy said, look, I'm trying to trade him anywhere but the Lakers. As we know, LeBron James did the little eye emoji wanting Kyrie to maybe alluding to the fact that maybe they're welcoming Kyrie to the Lakers if that was a possibility. But there's so many things that happen in sports that I want to cover. But I want to talk about my former teammate, Kara Lawson. I play with her on the Connecticut Sun. I'm going to have to say allegedly to this whole conversation because there's Kara Lawson and Duke women's basketball that have one side of the story. But then there's also the NCAA and the other side of the story. So here's a quote from the athletic women's basketball that says the ACC refuted claims made by Duke coach Kara Lawson that a men's basketball was used in the first half of Sunday's game against Florida State. Lawson said that her players were complaining about the ball in the first half of the Blue Devils loss. So Kara Lawson went on her press conference and said, this would never happen in a men's game. It's embarrassing to our sport. So let me just break this down for everyone that doesn't really understand. Duke women's basketball played against Florida State, where in the first half of the game, her Duke players were saying that the ball doesn't feel right. It feels too big. So one of her assistant coaches at halftime went to go check the ball. He went to the official scores table. He told them that this is a men's ball once they, they checked it. They changed out the ball and switched the ball to a different ball. Now, I don't know if it was a men's ball in the beginning or not, but that's what Kara Lawson in the Duke women's basketball program is saying. The ACC is saying that there was no problem. The balls were all correct and that nothing's wrong. So Kara Lawson went on record to say, look, this is not about a loss that I had. The problem that I'm having is that people, she's like, I accept it. Florida State beat us, but no one's accepting responsibility for the fact that this is a mistake that would never happen in men's basketball where one half was played with a women's basketball to flip the script. And so for me, it's like, I don't even know what to think about this situation. Obviously, something had to have happened, or I don't know why else they would bring this to attention, but if there was a chance that a women's game was played half of it with a men's ball, 
We got to do better. That's all I'm just going to say. We have to do better in general. And even staying along lines of the college game, we've seen J.R. Smith, Chris Paul, and now even Rajon Rondo go back to college to finish their degrees. But now we're seeing that Rajon Rondo is working to join Kentucky coaching staff as a student assistant. Now, he's a 16-year NBA veteran, as we know. Everybody knows he was a legend uh, for the Boston Celtics. So we're starting to see it more and more where pro athletes are going back and trying to finish their degrees, starting new routes. You know, Chris Paul graduated from an HBCU. J.R. Smith went to an HBCU. But I love the fact that athletes are now starting to tap in and get their education and figure things out that way. And then, of course, the Super Bowl. We're going to talk a lot about the Super Bowl. We have Will Blackman on to talk about the Super Bowl. But I'm just going to talk about the Super Bowl in a sense of we know everybody's been talking about the Kelsey brothers and it's the Kelsey brothers Super Bowl. But the dopest part to me is every time that we go to a tournament or anything like that, y'all hear Snook talk about she got kicked out of Disney World. The parents are invested. So the fact that Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey's mom gets to wear one of those double sided jerseys where one side is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs and one side is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. I just think that's lit. The Kelsey family has a no lose situation at this point. So we'll see how all of that plays out. But sports, man, I can't emphasize enough that sports is greater than reality TV. So sports is sporting. Sports is greater than reality TV. I keep saying this. And we're going to continue along with the sports conversation. We have Super Bowl champion Will Blackman coming on. All right, so the NFL made some changes to help with the excitement around Pro Bowl. And there was a lot of discussions about it. So I'm just curious, like, how did you like the adjustments of the flag football game, skills competition, the mini games? Like, what was your thoughts on that? I think it was cool because the main thing, like, once you get elected to the Pro Bowl, it's like you have that status. But the, the main thing with the Pro Bowl is the fans get to interact and see the players like up close and just see them how they are as people. So I think that part is cool. The only adjustment I would make is I would move it after the Super Bowl again hmm. because we can actually get all the guys who actually made the Pro Bowl versus the alternates uh, to get in there. Like, you know, there won't be Mahomes in the Pro Bowl, Burrow, like all the guys that are playing in the Super Bowl, they can actually partake in the Pro Bowl as well. So that's the only adjustment I would make. I like that. And so I'm curious, like as a player, you know, All-Star is like a notch on your belt. I'm assuming Pro Bowl is too, but does it have that same weight? Because I saw a lot of people discussing how much you had the Pro Bowl makes if the team wins. The winning team in the Pro Bowl makes more than, as opposed to almost even the Super Bowl. So they attached a heavy, basically, reward to it to get players to engage. So what is the feelings around Pro Bowl for players? I would say it's more so... Just the fact that you can call yourself a pro bowler, just like, you know, when you start the show, you said Super Bowl champion and that's the ultimate, right? That's a huge deal. And pro bowl is big. Like I, I remember it was 2008. And when I was returning, this is when like Devin Hester, Reggie Bush. So I, it was hard as hell to make the pro bowl as a part returner because <laughs> these dudes were nice. And I remember one year, this 2008, I had a great year. I had two to the crib. And then I remember like, okay, I just need one more because I'll be in the lead for the NFL. And I remember driving to the game with my wife. I told her, I was like, dude, if I get one today, I was like, I'm doing the hula celebration. Like, It's we're over. Going. Oh, it's a wrap. No question about it. Like, I'm in. There's no doubt about it. And so I remember that game, we were playing the Houston Texans, and I just felt like good vibes. I like, you know, club music, house music. And they were playing 
uh, I forget which Rihanna song they were playing, but it was something that was turned right. And I just felt good about it. And then my homeboy on the other side was talking so much smack to me. And I was like, yo, this, I said, this is going to the crib right now. So sure enough, <laughs> boom, I caught it. And I swear, Renee, it parted up like the Red Sea and I was gone. Got to the end zone, did the hula dance, did the Lambo leap. I did everything. And then turn around, there was a flag on the field. No! Yeah. I was hoping that wasn't coming. No. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. And and that just killed me. But I'm like, okay, I should still be in the league. But then another guy, he ended up getting the vote to go. I guess he had another touchdown or something like that. And that just like, I was like, man, that was it. Because next year was my contract year. Pro Bowl returner. They can't say nothing about it. So I think it holds a lot of weight in terms of your career individually yeah no we talked about it because beyonce a lot of people feel she got snubbed on artist of the year and people are like well why does it even matter and it's like that's your statistics like statistics matter in entertainment and sports and so we were talking about changes that the nfl is making and now the nfl is possibly looking to ban hip drop tackles which is how patrick mahomes got hurt tony pollard got hurt but richard sherman tweeted out defense is hard enough with the rules about roughing the qb and interference this would be overkill. So what are your thoughts on that change that might happen? Yeah, it's hard because I know when they outlawed the horse collar rule, I think my my boy Roy Williams was the, the catalyst for that. But I get that. You're jumping back. You're grabbing the back of the horse collar, which is really difficult. But what's really hard is to stop someone's forward progress. To me, I, I, I get it in terms of it possibly – I mean, we saw two ankles get jacked up this postseason, but I mean, there are so many other tackles that can cause problems. I mean, right now they, I mean, they already changed rough from the passer because quarterbacks were hurting their shoulders and breaking collarbones. So you can't lay on the quarterback anymore. But then what if all of a sudden there's a, a huge issue in this coming season, this next season where we're falling on guys and collarbones and shoulders are getting messed up. Are we going to change that too? So it's really hard because my biggest pet peeve is – when an offensive player is near the first down and then all of a sudden a defensive player knocks him past the first down. Oh, I'm like, hits him like, forward. Yeah, knocks him forward. I'm <laughs> like, that is the silliest play. So the hip drop, trying to pull him back, I mean, it's hard. Everything is hard, Renee, because the, the game is it's so... It, exactly. It, it's, it's so... It's a physical game. It is so fast. It is, it is crazy. I mean, I, I remember I went to make a play on Larry Fitzgerald. I made an actual textbook perfect tackle like shoulder head up drove through and right before I made contact Larry dropped his head and his head hit my head and shoulder and I went out cold what I was out just eating but it happened like just that quick you know so it's it's super difficult um I understand they're holding you know the pro athletes to to a high standard because they are pro athletes they're professional athletes where they can adjust accordingly but it's tough. Definitely. You talked about quarterbacks and there's been some conversations online about Tom Brady and his retirement. So I want to get your opinion on a couple of the discussions. So we know that Tom Brady, he's going to go down as one of the greatest NFL players of all time. But a question that's been posed is, do you think the league should retire number 12 for all NFL teams? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> out there, damn mind with that. Got, ain't no way. For what? I think Taylor Wan put that out there, didn't he? He put, yes. some, he put something crazy like that out there. I'm like, okay, yes, I will say I believe Tom Brady is the GOAT just because I love consistency, and it's so hard to just win one Super Bowl, let alone seven. So for him to do what he did in New England and go to Tampa and, and not miss a beat is absolutely outstanding. 
is incredible. But I can't imagine in that division, like the Buffalo Bills retiring number 12 because of Tom Brady. Like, no. Roger <laughs> Starbuck, no. Now, I did say this. I won't be mad. Decades down the road, they end up changing the Lombardi trophy to the Tom Brady trophy, the Super Bowl trophy. Hmm. I won't be mad. Now, I, I probably wouldn't, but I won't be mad at that. Now, everyone's like, well, they have asterisks on some of the Super Bowl wins because they cheated. I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is. It still counts. Um, but <laughs> I wouldn't be mad at that. But to retire 12 across the board, absolutely not. Hell no. Um, And on the same topic, okay, we're still on Tom Brady. I told you there's a lot of discussions going around. And we've seen athletes like Michael Strahan go straight into media as far as being an analyst and a host is concerned. But I don't know if we've ever seen someone get a 10-year Three hundred and seventy-five milli deal right out the gates, which is what Tom Brady received from Fox Sports. Like, what are your thoughts on that contract? There must have been some kind of a bidding war. You know, when I was young, I didn't really understand certain contracts. Like, I would be like, "Man, this dude, he didn't do much, but man, he got paid." You know what I'm saying? And I learned, well, if there's a bidding war, then someone's going to try to up somebody else. So my initial thoughts are, it was possibly a bidding war that's going on for him. Also, he's probably going to have to do a hell of a lot. Yeah. People don't understand that side, though. When they put a lot of money on there, that means you're going to be used a lot. So, I mean, he did say he's not going to do anything this year, um, and, and he's probably going to get going in 24. He's going to take a gap year is what he called it, to probably just reset and live his life a little bit. Look, power to him, you know? I need that. <laughs> like, let me get, get, right. Let me, right. Get, so let me get something, you know? <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's dope. I mean, I, I don't I don't even really know what to say because again, I don't know the the bidding war or, or whatever was behind it. But yeah, good for him to to have that opportunity because as we all know, when it's all said and done, that was probably the most difficult part uh, for a pro athlete is is the transit to reinvent yourself. It's it's a beast. Let's move on to the Super Bowl because it's coming up on February twelfth, and I want to ask you some questions because you are a Super Bowl champ, and I want to know what Super Bowl week is like because we all know the game is the game, but I equate it to the Final Four. Like when you make it to the Final Four, you have to go up early. You're doing media. There's promo videos. There's the practices that are open for the fans. There's a lot going on other than just the task at hand that you're focused on. So, like from your experience, like what's that Super Bowl week like? It's a blessing that they give you two weeks. Because that first week is when you're still at your your facility, and that's where you get all your work done. You get all the planning, just like you're playing for that weekend, but obviously you're playing for the next week. So you get all your work done because when you do travel to the Super Bowl destination, it is media day every day. You're doing something all day, every day. So as a team, you might have a couple of walkthroughs. It's nothing strenuous or nothing crazy, but literally it is something. It's funny. I just watched the women's boxing event this past weekend, and I didn't realize it's the same for them. Like all the promotions, all the interviews, everything before you actually going out to fight. So, you know, it's, it's the same deal. We have all these obligations. And it's fun because you get to you have media from literally all around the world coming in. And then, you know, people you never thought you see. So it, it's it's pretty cool. But then eventually you're like, all right, dude, like, let's let's right. let's get this going. Like, let's let's play these dudes. Up. It's cool. Like the first two days. But then you're like, man, we got five more days before we get this thing going. So Doug Williams was the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And now we have two black quarterbacks matching up in Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. So for people that may not know, can you talk about why it's such a big deal, the progression of having that representation at that particular position, quarterback, considering even how the IQ was measured by the NFL when we talk about different 
protocols and different things like like why is that such a big deal being made of it now number one quarterback is the most difficult position you know first and foremost and obviously the arm but it's really about the intangibles when you evaluate that position it's not so much man he's the best athlete he can do this that and the third like can he lead can he does he have the smarts can he understand progressions can he lift everyone around him? can he do all these things to be a good quarterback also obviously yes being up having pocket awareness being a good pocket passer there's, there's so many things that you need to play that position in the nfl and for decades it was looked down upon like if you're they truly believe that it was very difficult for a black quarterback to be a cerebral type of player. That's why, you know, you had Doug Williams, who was a really good pocket passer. You had Randall Cunningham, who could, you know, he was very mobile, but he also had a big arm as well, too. You know, you had Warren Moon, who set records in Canada and other leagues as well, too. But it's almost like for a while you had to be a beyond gifted athlete, almost like a Michael Vick. You know, it was like Michael Vick is like, man, let's just put him out there and let him have the football. I mean, obviously, there's a long list of QBs uh, before uh, Mahomes and Hurts right now. But to have these two quarterbacks who we can say outside of like Burrow and, and Josh Allen were the best two quarterbacks all year long. They are the main reason why their team, the teams are where they are. It's really cool to see these two can possibly be faces of the NFL for years. ago. I would say Mahomes probably is right now. And, and Jalen Hurts is, is making his name and truly is one of the most likable players already. I just love his his calm, his poise, uh, how he's unbothered, how he can handle adversity. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's super cool. That's, that's the first thing I noticed when both teams won. And so that's that's pretty dope. OK, and so what are your like keys to the Super Bowl for the Chiefs? Oh, and my for- gosh. Is that tough? Like, I mean, like, come on, you had to know I was going to ask you that. Like, I for know. instance, I saw, I saw an analyst say that you got to double Travis Kelsey, period. Like, you have to commit to double and Travis Kelsey because that's going to be a key to stopping the Chiefs. What are the keys to this Super Bowl? Because we hear it broken down every part of the game, but in, in, in the simplest form, what do you think? This is a hard one to pick because I think the Eagles overall are the better team. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... The Eagles, like for them to win, they're really just going to play football. It's going to be slow. It's going to be boring, but they're just going to go. They're just going to go win. You know, they're going to do nothing cute. They're just going to run the ball down your throat. They're going to hit explosive plays. You're not going to do anything offensive because the defense is so smart and disciplined and they're going to win. However, if there's someone who can overcome the odds, it's Patrick Mahomes over on the <laughs> other side. And that's the part that's crazy. It's like, as soon as you count him out, like he's right back in it. And. Even playing against the, the Bengals, I'm like, man, his ankle's jacked up. I think the Bengals are going to win this. And then he goes out there and is running, not just throwing, he's running the football, right. you know, with his ankle. Now he has two weeks to get healthy. It's tough. But I, I do think what teams have failed to do in the past couple of weeks against the Chiefs, they failed to stop Travis Kelsey. Like he is, no one's jamming him. He's always wide open. Is he's in single coverage, and it's like, yo, like are you guys trying to lose this game? <laughs> um, it's it's like obvious, right? In any sport, it's like okay, yes. You look at the team, you're like, who's the most dangerous person? Right. Who's the second most dangerous person? Let's eliminate those guys. Speaking of, in our Super Bowl that year, we we're doing well. Our main player was was Victor Cruz. There's a soundbite of Coach Bill Belichick saying like, make them throw it to Mario Manningham, not Victor Cruz, not Hakeem Nicks, like take away 
those guys, make him throw it to Mario Manningham. Fortunately for us, Eli did throw it to Mario Manningham. And he made one of the greatest catches in Super Bowl history on the sideline, which I was like, that is absolutely unbelievable. He did do that. If that's what you game plan for and he makes something incredible, then you play, you, you live with it. You know, you play the percentages. So I hate stupid football. I hate when guys just like you seriously, it's like going there. Travis Kelsey is a problem. Triple team, double team, whoever, whatever you're going to do, just make sure he doesn't beat you. Let someone else beat you. So that being said, you're not getting a pick. I hate stupid football. I hate stupid football. I hate stupid basketball too. So I, I feel you on that. We have the Super Bowl champ, Will Blackman on joining us. I thank you for coming through to Montgomery and Company. Love your insights. Follow him on Twitter. Love everything you're doing. All day. Thank you. Speaking of awards, we're going to talk the Grammys, the fashion, the snubs. Yeah, we get into it. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. ready to talk all things Grammys and boy I mean so I fell asleep a little bit I'm just gonna be fully transparent been traveling a lot she fell asleep the whole time for the whole Grammys <laughs> not the whole time I saw a little bit of red carpet no action. actually no we saw the end that's right that's right and I saw the ending so I was I felt like I've seen enough there's always the fashion so first I want to ask like if y'all saw anything who had the best fashion statement there if you saw any of the fashion mm, I like Lizzo okay Ooh, yes Lizzo she had on a three piece outfit that it had transformation so it's started out as a cape where yeah. she was wrapped up in the cape. I saw that. Then when she did her interview, she had the cape down a little bit where you could see On the her shoulders. Si- yeah, yeah, you could see the silhouette. Very, very stylish. Yeah, it was nice. It, and, and it was designed for her. They had like the sketch and everything. It, I think it was either Dolce & Gabbana or Gucci. Yep. I don't know. One of them. Dolce & Gabbana. Yeah. Yes. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, listen, we're going to move on so you get perked up, okay? She must be feeling like she's at the Grammys right now, so we are going to talk about it. So, Beyonce, okay, there's always a Beyonce conversation when it involves the Grammys. Jay-Z had his line in one of his songs that said, F that over A stuff at the Grammys, like, you know, because she's gotten snubbed before where she didn't win any at the Grammys, but the Carters were back at it again, and... A lot of the talk, there was a lot of people discussing that they felt like she may have gotten snubbed for this year's Artist of the Year. We know that Harry Styles went on to win that. There's some controversy surrounding it because there's a tweet, and I want to read it to make sure I don't say it incorrectly. So the Grammys themselves, which at Recording Academy, they tweeted that, Fun fact, the voice at the beginning of As It Was is the daughter of our very own Grammys producer, Ben Winston. If you don't know what As It Was is, it's the solo hit for Harry Styles, who went on to win Artist of the Year. They tweeted out that 
one of the Grammy producers' daughter was on the intro of the song, which sent the internet into an uproar. And this is before it was actually announced. So there was comments that said, well, I guess we already know who's winning Artist of the Year. And people said, you're not serious with this. And then another person said, who airs out their own dirty laundry? So there became a lot of conversations surrounding this topic. Well, I'm going to say this. I think they aired it out before someone else aired it. They said, well, I might as well tell it myself before someone else brings it to their attention because it looks like we was trying to hide it. So I think that they just put it out there. So they say, okay, yeah, and by the way, because y'all are going to know anyway, yeah, she was on the intro to the song. So, okay, we, yeah, that she was I there. I would hope that they're that smart, but I don't know why something is telling <laughs> me that it was just complete oversight and they were just kind of like, just, oh, I, I, I think, in my opinion, I may oh, be wrong. How, who can make a mistake like that, Sam? Because honestly, sometimes <laughs> people do have oversight. It's real people behind these Twitter accounts and in the light of getting something out there or shouting out their family members or whatever and just be like hey you know like that's so-and-so she was in Harry Styles music video you know but I think that if you could have an oversight with big campaigns with big companies like Dove and like how did they let that commercial go there could always be oversight with human error it sounds like somebody didn't get paid they put it out there because they want people to know like (laughs) I was working on this track and I'm just gonna let y'all know she gonna win they gonna win it because she is on the (laughs) intro to the song I feel like somebody probably just tried to dry snitch it sounded like to me, honestly, it sounded like a proud dad to me. Like, so right. this is how this is how I read it. Imagine you're the Grammy producer, right? So all you're thinking about is my daughter is on the song with Harry Styles. Why would she be you a part? Why would that yourself. be? A, why, yeah, you recuse yourself from being. Have in that. y'all seen the whole discussion about nepo babies and different things of that nature? Yeah, nepo they don't babies. See, oh, hepo, they I don't, don't care. You it just don't <laughs> look right. It wasn't right. It just don't look right. But that's the whole discussion about it. People don't see a problem with nepotism. Well, I don't see a problem with it either, unless I am in a position where I am deciding the fate or. Or making a decision for someone else. If I have a personal connection with someone that I am actually judging, then I think that that nepotism should not be a part of it. Now, if it's my company and I own it and I want to hire my niece, my nephew too. Okay, cool. So Cole is fine with a certain level of nepotism. Well, no, because no, because this country has been built on nepotism. I get that. But when you're judging other people, competition, competition, then you need to recuse yourself the same way they do in law. If, if the judge is up there has to make a decision on someone who is a defendant or whatever, you can't be that close to the situation and make no, that's a, true. So a who, you know, whose daughter was yeah. it? Ben Winston, a Grammy producer, also judge whose own daughter had her voice in the beginning of As It Was on Harry Styles' song. See what I'm saying? I'm also hearing that Harry Styles could possibly be the godfather of the daughter. So there's already going to be a connection there in general. Yeah, it, seems, Styles- it seems biased for sure. Mm-hmm. Very I don't much understand so. it. And that's what causes a lot of things that happen down through the year and people are mad about it and you just don't know some of the undercurrents. And like I said, I, I just think if you have a competition, everything should be level ground for everybody. Absolutely. And if you have anything to do with it, you should recuse yourself. Let them win Absolutely. on their own, you know, on the yeah. and, and, and the Grammys, they just have a weird way of voting. I, I don't know, like, how they vote on these things, because I do know that they do have, like, a committee or something that everybody goes through each category and they choose the artist that they think is the best in that category. And the thing about Beyonce is that 
this is the fourth time that she's been nominated for album of the year and the fourth time that she's lost it but she's the artist with the most grammys in history and then people like oh well she is celebrated she has the most grammys in history but the thing is that she's not getting even 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 with that being said exactly she's not getting everything she deserves she's still not getting no she could win r&b album of the year or best uh electronic uh, dance music album or song or whatever record but the big award everybody knows is the album of the year award and she's lost it four times to and this is this is proof you can look this back to white artists so one of them was beck and everybody went to uproar about that the other one who was adele and Taylor Swift. We all remember the Taylor Swift one. Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> Lord. I can't say about the others, but this one, this time, Harry Styles, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, I, like, look, okay, we might be able to give you Adele. Like, Adele, okay, Definitely. I, I love Adele. But you know, Adele said again in her speech to her. Adele, Adele yeah. recognized it. She said, I don't know how I lost this to Beyonce's Lemonade. She had the most, you know, whatever. I don't know verbatim what she said, but basically she said that Lemonade was the best album that came out that year. She doesn't even know how she won that over Beyonce. So even Adele recognized it, you know, that Beyonce should have won album of the year. And all the other times, too, is like, of course, we all know the the infamous incident with Kanye West with Taylor Swift and things like that so people have come you know to her defense almost at every time because everybody knows that every time she comes out with a big album it it gets snubbed for for album of the year they're just trying to break her soul (laughs) (laughs) but they won't they won't Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. it makes me think about, you know how we use the term imposter syndrome in like the business world? The fact that Adele got up there, it almost felt like having imposter syndrome. Like, I shouldn't really be holding this. It's like when you're in a category with Beyonce, I saw somebody tweet this too. So like you said, she lost to Beck, Adele, Taylor Swift, and now Harry Styles. Honestly, it feels uncomfortable to even say that. Like you can, ah, uh, maybe I can see it with Taylor Swift and the Swifties. Yeah, and I can see maybe that. I can see it with Adele. But then with Beck and Harry Styles, it's like Mm-mm. we can't see Mm-mm. it. We can't understand Mm-mm. it. And then when you think about so then Jay-Z makes a song about like, man, forget this, Grammys. Like, have you seen our concerts? And then it makes me think about her concert right now. And yes, I know that there's a lot of artists that sell out. What's happening with Beyonce's concert is unheard of. It's starting to get to that status of like, you got to ask a favor. We were talking to Allison Felix and she's like, look, I'm going to have to call in all my favors to get to a Beyonce concert. So there's something about what Beyonce is doing that I think it is a snub that she deserves to be have the recognition of having being artist of the year. Because when you start to look at stats, and I'm just going to put it in sports terms, when you start to look at stats, how many all-stars you get, how many championships you get. When a player is done and retired, what do we talk about? We talk about the stats. So yes, it's like, oh, well, does it matter? I think it really does matter because that's two right there that we know off top that she didn't receive artist of the year. And that's her stats that when she's done and she retires, those aren't going to be attached to her name. So it is kind of crazy to think that like, yeah, she's the most decorated But also, she's still snubbed on so many. It's like that fake news. It's fake news. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it kind of reminds me of Denzel Washington, like I said. You know, Mm -hmm. he did so many amazing movies that he honestly should have won for. And it's almost like they waited for something where it he was like for this. You know, it's it's almost like they're going to wait and then it's going to be one of her albums that's probably not 
one of the best albums that she probably had. And then they're going to be like, oh, yeah, 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 you can have it now. Here you go. Because yep. they, right. you know, that's that's right. the way I feel like they're going to do. And that's right. the reason why, another reason why the people don't like the Grammys because they feel like it's already rigged. Yeah, and then right. you have, the award shows. Yeah, a lot of the award shows, they feel like they're rigged or whatever. And then you have someone who's a judge with also his daughter on one of the, you know, so it looks bad. It looks like they're not credible. No and ethics. so you start with no watching the Grammys. It's very yeah. biased. Yeah. So you, I think all the now, biases are coming to light for sure. Yeah. And you guys brought up something else because Harry Styles is under a little bit of, of hot water because during his acceptance speech, he said, this doesn't happen to people like me often. And a lot of people didn't understand who that people like him could be referencing. I mean, because but who he, was the people? That's what I want to know. I'm like, who does it? What does he <laughs> mean by that? People? Because what we can see is an English white man, and that's what the rest of the world sees. So it, everybody's like, well, what do you mean it doesn't happen to white men like you? But I don't know what he meant by that. I don't know if he if he means like maybe he grew up really poor or something. I don't yeah. know. But everybody's like, you were in one of the most successful boy bands in in history who were being compared to the Beatles, One Direction, mm -hmm. and, and now you're saying that this doesn't happen to people like you, it kind of seems that the pattern is that it happens exactly to people like you. Mm. I call it reverse gaslighting. <laughs> because instead of making everybody else think they're crazy you, you you're building empathy so you say mm. oh this doesn't happen to people like me so people are like oh man what is he talking about first of all I, when he said well, unfortunate that unfortunate enough to be of the rural lineage well i think that what he's doing is trying to give himself more depth than you know he's trying to be more a deeper person than what he would initially start out. One Direction was a boy band and a lot of boy bands get the cutesy, oh my gosh, you know, heartthrob and a lot of men who are real artists and real actors even like Johnny Depp, when he started off with 21 Drums, he did all these cutesy roles, he couldn't stand it because he wanted to be a real artist so I think a lot of times a lot of times what happens is he started out, you know, with One Direction, which was a boy cutesy band, and now he's trying to have depth. And so he's trying to build it and he's building it. Things like this don't happen to people like me to make it seem like, oh, I won this because I can't believe I won this because the, you know, I feel like it's re reverse gaslighting. I mean, that is a hilarious term, reverse gaslighting. It's a little tone um, deaf for sure. Yeah, I, I just feel like everybody has a story. So like we're not like discrediting that everybody has a story to get to the top. It's not easy for oh, any no. artist no, to get to the me. top. So I'm Definitely just saying not. the, I'm just saying the thing that we all know so that people are like, but what if he had a, everybody has a struggle that makes it to the top. We know that whether you're a yes. black woman or you're a white male, we understand that there's going to be a struggle to rise to the top. The thing that we all are struggling to understand is that your pathway to get to the top is going to have, I would say, less struggles than other groups. And the way that he alluded it was that maybe that he, you know, like, man, we don't usually get to get here. And so having beat an artist like Beyonce in the category and then saying that at your acceptance speech, it felt like, to your point, uh, Serena, a little bit tone deaf because yeah. Beyonce doesn't usually, she's the type of person that doesn't usually get it. She's lost on four of them, as we yeah. know. And 
again, you can justify any way you want of, oh yeah, this person had a good run. That's why she lost or this person. But we know what the Lemonade album was all about. Like we know what it did. We yeah, know a complete how visual album, by the way, that lost, you know, because she, she made a masterpiece. And then Renaissance was almost like the opposite and that she didn't put no visuals out. And so she's like, if I'm not going to win when I put a visual album out, I'm not going to put no visuals out for the next album. But I'm not saying that she does it just for the awards, but it's like, it's, it's like you can tell that Beyonce, she puts her all into everything. She upped into, the game, boy. Exactly. With that visual, she upped right. the game. <laughs> even, even with this album, like the community did it for her. The TikTok, exactly. you know, like it blew up with, 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 all, with all her songs. Yes. We made up our own dances to it. Like everybody kind of leaned in. She didn't release visuals, but the internet... Her Bayhive, like they're so strong that she didn't even need to. The songs were great enough to carry themselves, and exactly. people started creating their own TikTok dances. Maybe to he it. should have said, "I don't know how I." I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, Beyonce <laughs> is the queen, but maybe he should have went a little bit of the Adele route and maybe said, "I don't know how I can win with so many incredible people in this category." You know, kind of if you wanted to go the humble route, but that didn't sound humble at all. What he said. He can you imagine afterwards when everybody got in their little groups and their little cliques and they say, "Do you believe that?" <laughs> <laughs> and everybody what was talking about what Lizzo, what Lizzo and Adele's here? response to their reaction when he won. It was so funny. Lizzo what was just like, happened here? <laughs> I know, because it's almost like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm ever in a category with anything Beyonce, I Forget forfeit. It. I'm going to let her, Thank if you. I get up there and I do it, I'm going to be like, Beyonce, can you come on stage with me right quick? We got to do the right thing here. Like, you know, like I'm going to just, and I know that I'm just kidding, obviously, but there is something to the fact that Beyonce, who showed up fashionably late and I don't know why that was covered so much but I just love that the fact that she gonna pull up whenever <laughs> she wants that she even came yeah she graced <laughs> them with her presence they are lucky that she did that yeah but it's just like at a certain point Cole you brought up Denzel and there was a song that said why Denzel have to be crooked before he took it it's almost like when you play the stereotype that they want you to play a crooked cop or something of that nature then they'll want to give it to you like yeah this is what I saw you as we even watch Will Smith say he thinks that his best thing that he ever made was the pursuit of happiness. And he said he thought that that one was going to be the one to win all the awards and do all the nope. different things. But that was no, the story no, of no, no, no. a man I overcoming and yeah. a man, you know, maybe the stories that win aren't the ones that we want to see ourselves as. It's the ones that they want to maybe see us as is what it's kind of seeming like. So, And that's the thing, right? That's the thing about being an entertainer is that it's, it's that constant struggle as any creative is like what I like and what the people want from me, you know, because it's like your favorite song on the album is not even the most successful one on, on that, that comes out, you know, according to what people like. Oh. I think Beyonce said that, uh, I don't know which one is her favorite song from the album, but it's not like Cuff It or right. Break My Soul. There's one that probably is not even that popular, I think. It seems to be a trend because, and I'm drawing a blank here, Halle Berry, she won it for Monsters Ball. She did Dorothy Dandridge. She did amazing. You had Denzel Washington who got it for Training Day. He did Malcolm X. He did, I mean, mm -hmm. I can't even name amount of movies that he should have gotten it for glory oh my gosh yeah. and then like even with Halle Berry winning from Monsters Ball like it's like come on now she, Dorothy Dandridge I, she um, did amazing yeah. with that but Roy, Roy just said that he did win supporting actor for glory well so no ain't no way remember like a, that was a consolation prize basically we gotta give you something but that's, that's exactly what it is it's like lemonade winning r&b album of the year when it should have won album of the year of the year it's like i gotta give you not something. a subcategory <laughs> when i was right. in college 
this. This is around 72, 73 when Lady Sings the Blues with Diana Ross went up against uh, Showboat with Liza Minnelli. And everybody just knew because Richard Pryor and Diana Ross, they acted in that movie. That's an amazing movie. And then when they said Showboat, we didn't sleep for two days. It really upset us really Mm. bad that that Mm. took it instead of uh, Diana Ross and Lady Sings the Blues. Snook wasn't probably, you know, like she, she was not an entertainment herself or anything like that. But you see how much it affects the community because yes, that's like how her. much representation matters. That's how much people want to see, you know, our kind of people win win awards. You know, we want to see people of color win awards and, and not just the little awards, the big awards. Awards they deserve to exactly. win. Exactly. We're not asking for you to hand it to them. These are awards where they deserve to win exactly. it. And when you get taken from you and you deserve to win it it's different and that's yeah. why I said that's why people don't like the Grammys I personally I I know I should but I don't take any the Grammys more so is fashion and the and the uh, <laughs> artists uh, you know yeah it's, you, it's, it's you know, a party element to even yeah. You can't go by what they say because you know it's going to be something crazy. It's exactly. And and by the way, Roy just wrote another nugget in the chat. He said Matthew Broderick was the lead actor in Glory, which is why uh, Denzel Washington won supporting actor because he wasn't the lead actor. Yeah, but that's the tough part, though, because it's like we say that all the time. You know, when you talk about the EGOT, the Emmys, the Grammys, the Oscars, the Tonys, we have to keep telling ourselves like, yeah, we don't even take that to heart or we know that it's not going to not be right. But then it goes back to that same thing about athletes it's like Tyler Perry talked about it like yeah you can build your own table and build your own studio like Tyler Perry's doing here but there's something about giving somebody accolades that they deserve to Cole's point there's something about when an when an actor or when an artist or when an athlete retires if you got an athlete that retires and it's known every single year that they're snubbed right In 20 years after that athlete retired, people aren't going to be talking about the 20 years of snubbing that that athlete received. They're going to go back and look at the stash and be like, why do you think this person is supposed to be in the the top 25 for WNBA? They didn't get an all-star. They didn't win a championship. They'll start to run it down. Because we're still talking about Denzel. We're still talking about, I mean. We're we're this generation. I'm talking about generational. So will will Trill and Shannon and Vance be talking about all the snubs that Denzel Washington had? No, they will not. You're right. Snook's talking about what she's living. Well, me enough, they will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's like when we talk about a legacy and just this past weekend, I was at the HBCU Legacy Classic. Michael B. Jordan is building something amazing over there. So shouts to WME Sports and Invesco QQQ because he built a whole event around highlighting HBCUs. He's building his legacy there in his own home city. But when we talk about legacy building, the only thing that's going to remain is stats. Because it's not, there's not like people are going to be able to know the tone and the feeling unless they research it. But when you start talking stats and everybody talking about who's the goat and who's this and who's that and who's the greatest of all time, you can't do anything but look at the stats. And so Beyonce's stats, while already she has the most Grammys of any artist, it's like we still feel like, yo, the stats ain't right. Like they're going to have to check Beyonce's stats. The Patriots won every year for how many years? Come on now. So <laughs> the thing is that, you know, you got tired of hearing them win. But if they were the best team and they was uh-huh. beating everybody, that's what it was. You can't just say because people win all the time. Like, well, she got like 10 Grammys. Well, so she deserves 20. Mm-hmm. Just because she got those 10, don't snub her for the other 10 because you feel like she's had enough. That's enough. Let someone else win. No, you win, you win. Exactly. That's the point of and it. And so right. that's why, so people, because I'm addressing the fact that people might be like, well, she's already the the most winning as Grammy Award winner. So? And it's like, <laughs> so, <laughs> I say the same thing. 
I think that there's something to that too, is because why are they giving her all the smaller awards? So she's been able to accumulate all of the smaller awards, but then they don't want to give her the big awards, which is what I think is is what matters. Exactly. You know, because if she has even one album of the year, that definitely counts for something, you know, but she's obviously winning at every category that there is. So, but, but then it's like, oh, but the obvious big one, how can it not go to her? And looking good while she's doing it too. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. She looks, she looks so beautiful. Right. (laughs) I call this the Serena effect. It's like, they're trying to outweigh her. They're like, hopefully she stopped making records. Because exactly. it's the same thing with Serena. They was like, please, is she ever going to stop playing? Because they were <laughs> sick of her winning and they were sick of doing And they tried their best. They tested that woman and tested that woman. Like she said, she got tested probably 10 times more. I'm exaggerating. 10 times more than any other wow, person yeah. in her. You know, the thing is, they were just trying to find something. And then they were like, OK, we got to give it to her. She won again. And then when she finally said, OK, I'm done for right now I think I'm done and they were like hallelujah we out you know basically they're just waiting for her winning fatigue you know there's a thing about winning fatigue I mean (laughs) honestly Mm -hmm. because if you look at it every year we should probably be talking about LeBron James being in an MVP conversation I'm not saying he should win but every year he should be in the conversation when healthy every year Steph Curry should be in the conversation but there's sometimes that winner's fatigue where you almost assume somebody's going to be great and you don't necessarily give them like it's who it's the storyline of the year well yes Beyonce's great but did you see what Harry Styles did he's acting he's doing this and while that shouldn't even be a part of the discussion the media controls these narratives and the media even and I mean even if you look at the NBA and a lot of times people are starting to say now let's take the media out of it because the players that are snubbed in all-star or the players that win MVP a lot of people are starting to equate it to oh well those that person had the biggest storyline this year throughout the year where even Giannis like not saying that Giannis Antetokounmpo shouldn't have won but we all learned about Giannis's story and we started to fall in love with Giannis and then Giannis won MVP it was like the perfect capture of the whole year he has a, a movie out on Disney and there's a lot of different things going on so people a lot of times equate media and storylines to accolades we can all look. I feel like we can all be mad about Beyonce and we're going to be mad about Beyonce. And it's like, is that something that can even change? Because now we're sitting at the fourth time she's been snubbed for Artist of the Year. And, you know, like we could hope that it's not going to happen again. And there's going to be another side that might argue, well, why is it a snub? And we all know why. It's like we don't even have to explain why we know Beyonce should have won over Beck. Exactly. When it's like obvious choices. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's obvious for everybody, but, you know, I, I know that not as many people heard <laughs> Beck as they've heard Beyonce's Come album that lost that real. year. Sam, you, you were right. You were right. Be for obvious. real. Like we know Beyonce won. <laughs> Beyonce won with Renaissance and now she's about to go on the Renaissance tour and shut it down worldwide this ain't the u.s renaissance right like if people want to argue like maybe like adele or something like we're like well adele and beyonce probably went head to head that year because they had two of the best albums that year then people you know it's like adele adele was her album was very popular so it's like when you have two big hitters like that you can probably argue with it but you know with harry styles i haven't even heard harry styles's album i don't know like i I think that when 
when when there's a clear distinction on that on whose album was more successful, I think it definitely feels like a snub. They're probably trying to get tickets to Beyonce's uh, as we too. speak. Okay, <laughs> they trying to pull up. <laughs> right. Okay, so as we know, we're always going to continue to build our own tables, to build our own. That's why we started Think Tank Productions, because we want to have that representation. But when you really stop to think about the fact that Spike Lee hasn't won Best Director yet, like he hasn't won Best Director yet. And in fact, he was only nominated once. Like, think about that. Spike Lee, we know all of the greatest hits that he's done. We know what he's done for the industry. Hasn't won Best Director yet. So when you start to think about that, it's like, come on now, make it make sense. With Beyonce, y'all got to make it make sense because when Beyonce is retired and Beyonce is done, we are going to feel blessed to have lived in the air where we watched her Coachella performance. Ain't nobody else going to do Coachella like Beyonce did Coachella with that HBCU homecoming. It's just ridiculous. We're going to do a homecoming tour with Think Tank just to show what HBCU's got going on on homecomings and why it's so dope. This is why it matters. So again, whether you think it's a snub or it isn't a snub, the facts are the facts. And if Spike Lee hasn't won and Beyonce is still, she's the best to ever do it and she still hasn't had the right respect, I'm going to let you finish, but you ain't going to break our soul on this one. Coming up next, we have Bruce Jackson, author of Never Far From Home, My Journey From Brooklyn to Hip Hop, Microsoft, and the Law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bruce Jackson, who probably has lived a little bit of every job, lived a little bit of every life. You're a journeyman. You have a book that's releasing called Never Far From Home, My Journey from Brooklyn to Hip Hop to Microsoft and the Law. So, I mean, that's a lot of jobs. Are you tired? You are? No, no, I can continue going. I can continue going. It's, It's necessary. I love the movie Slumdog Millionaire because I feel like it's just your lived experiences are valuable life lessons. And so you came from the Brooklyn Projects. Now, depending on how you look at it, I look at it as it could be a blessing. No, I think it is. I think that I am who I am because of where I came from, right? Whether it's the uh, Brooklyn, the projects, the inner city, I am exactly who I am. And I don't shy away from that. You're a former entertainment lawyer. So we're going to kind of use all your backgrounds to ask you some questions. The Brooklyn Nets was once owned by Jay-Z for 10 years, but he held a piece of it, but had to sell it because he had to avoid a potential conflict of interest to be a player agent. Now we're seeing a lot of that now where Athletes are getting into ownership. 
On the entertainment side, what are the pros and cons of all of this movement? No, no, I think that athletes, entertainers should always get on the pro side, the, the ownership side. Typically, we're basically employees. So I think it's time for us to step in the ownership rank. So I certainly applaud everyone who's talking about ownership because I think it's very interesting, particularly for generational wealth. Oh, I love that word generational wealth. We talk about it a lot here. And so when you talk about generational wealth, we had Master P on last week and he said generational wealth is a family endeavor. Like it can't just be one person on board. It has to be the full family. Was that ever a goal of yours when you started out? And is it still a goal? Well, I think growing up in the projects and poor is not about generational wealth, right? We were just trying to survive day to day. But certainly now it's about generational wealth. And I think I agree with them. It's a family effort. So what I do, I talk to my three daughters and I tell them, listen, I'm going to leave you X, but your goal is certainly not to spend it. And you won't be able to because it's in a trust so we can keep carrying it on to the next generation. So they're fully on board. They understand it. I want to move on to corporate where you are with Microsoft, because in your book, you talk about you had teachers and professors along the way say that they doubted you. Oh, I had I had teachers, uh, professionals in every course, whether it was in high school saying you're not ready for college, college saying we're not sure you're ready for college and law school being questioned in law school. But I think one of the things that I constantly do that drives me is there's two quotes. First of all, I do it for my mother, my grandmother, my aunt, because they grew up poor in the South picking cotton. And mm. that's kind of my inspiration, right, to try to take the family to another level. But I think it's two quotes, right? So Frederick Douglass, if there's no struggle, there's no progress. Same thing I'm sure you're familiar with as an athlete. No pain, no gain, right? So I realized I had to be patient with myself and give myself grace. But then there's another poem by Longfellow that talks about the height by which great men reach and kept were not achieved overnight by they while their companions slept we're tolling upwards during the night. So you're familiar with that. That just means outworking everybody, right? Yes, sir. So it's the same concept that if you, because the average person doesn't want to work more than the maximum time required, right? So if it's nine to five, they leave at five. So if you stay to five thirty or six, you'll catch up and exceed them in the long run. So that's always been my philosophy. No, I love that. And you talked about like at every turn, even in law school, every turn you went, there were people that were doubting you. A lot of people talk now about imposter syndrome. Did you ever feel that at, at any points in your career? No, people do feel like they don't belong. I always felt that I belong. My philosophy in life always been no one's smarter than anyone. The only difference between someone in the inner city and someone in a fluent area is the resources and the environment. So if you take someone out of an affluent area, put them in the urban area, that person wouldn't do well either. But if you take someone out of an a ghetto and put them in an affluent area, that person will do well because they have the resources and the environment that's necessary to be successful and help them reach their potential. Oh, I love that. And you you played a critical role in the company's diversity efforts. And so uh, a lot of people are always skeptical when situations, you know, we're coming off the heels of the tragedy of, of Tyree Nichols. And a lot of people are always concerned about companies that say they're going to do something, but don't necessarily follow through. Is it a struggle to have implemented, create things that create real change in large companies? Because we know that it's twofold, threefold, fourfold when you get to the big companies. No, I think you're absolutely right. People talk to talk companies, right? But not necessarily walk to walk. And it really all starts at the top. That's how you set the culture. It's always at the top. You can try it from the bottom and bring it to the top. But typically, if you want to make real impact, you need to set it at the top. And I think I was fortunate that the company I'm with allowed me to be me. Had they not allowed me to be me, I wouldn't be here today. But they allowed me to be me and help try to 
increase the uh, diversity culture within the organization here at Microsoft. And that's primarily because the relationship I have with the vice chairman, who is Brad Smith. Wow. And and so what is that like? You know, uh, I'm the same. So I'm an athlete through and through now sitting in boardrooms with millionaires, billionaires. So it's like, wow, you know, like I'm pleasantly surprised. And I tell my other teammates, too, that we're more equipped than we actually think we are. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think one, you got to believe in yourself. And oftentimes in these rooms, you got people who talk a lot and people get the perception that they know a lot. But that's not always the case. I think you have to go in confident and we have to always be better than someone else. In addition to being better, what I tell people that what we're dealing with, that they're not dealing with at this privilege, there's something called psychological threats. And that's basically you go into these rooms and try to dismiss the stereotypes associated with your class. So we have to be better, but then we have to go in there to try to dismiss some of the stereotypes that people have. So it's even harder for us to really be successful. It's just hard work. I love that you're saying that because to act like there's not stereotypes would be obviously it would it would be foolish in a sense. But you can't necessarily move in a, in a way of trying to prove everyone wrong. At, at what point do, are you trying to just prove yourself, Bruce Jackson from Brooklyn, right? I'm always trying to prove myself right. And people say even at this level at Microsoft, where I close a hundred million dollar, billion dollar deal, Woo. I'm always having to prove myself, right? You constantly have to prove yourself. I mean, you read the book. There's even times where I closed a hundred million dollar deal at Microsoft in the same day I was arrested and spend the night in jail. Because oftentimes I tell my colleagues, yeah, I support a $20 billion business. But when I leave Microsoft, I'm a black guy, bald head, walking the streets of Brooklyn, driving a sports car. And they don't distinguish me from anyone else, right? So I live a different life than my colleagues. You got to read the book to get everything we know. But can you just talk about that? Because there's a big dynamic. NBA players talked about it a lot in 2020, where on the court, when they're wearing their jerseys, they're known as people's favorite player. But then when they get in their car and drive home, some of them are getting pulled over and, and, and feel just as connected. Or it doesn't matter. All of that's ripped away. So can you talk about just going from that dynamic of you closed a $100 million deal and got arrested that same day? Oh, yeah. I, I closed a $100 million deal. And this was a year, years ago because now we close billion-dollar deals. But basically, we celebrated in the office. And I said, let me go back and celebrate because never far from home, part of the book is I'm always there. My friends and family still live in public housing, which are the projects. So I said, let me go back after closing the deal and celebrate with my friends and family. And I went to the store, got some crabs like we do, and got some beer. <laughs> and before, as soon as I pull up to the projects, I was pulled over saying something's wrong with my license. And so we go through that whole process. Something's wrong with your license. Your tags are not right. It's too dark, tinted windows. And they just put me in the system. And so I wow. had to go through the whole process of being booked, spending overnight in jail until my attorney got me out the next day. But that happens every day to people. Unfortunately, unfortunately for me, I have the money I can hire an attorney. Right. Uh, a lot of people in our situations do, cannot. And sometimes they plead the things they didn't do just so they can get out. Mm. That's crazy. Let's talk a little bit more about your book, Never Far From Home, My Journey From Brooklyn to Hip Hop, Microsoft and the Law, which is available everywhere February 7th. What do you want people to take away from your book? Because a lot of times when people write a book, you know, there's something like that. Obviously, there's a reason that you felt that you need to tell your story. What did you want people to take away from your book? Well, the reason I wrote the book, an entertainment client of mine said, Bruce, why don't you write a book? 
He said, because you lived our background. However, many people in our community think the only option they have is an entertainer or an athlete. And what you can come and tell them is a different story. They can be a professional for a Fortune 5 company and make a million dollars plus as well. Um, so he said, we want you to do that. In order for our people to do that, they have to see it to believe it in order to achieve it. Mm. So my goal is to inspire everyone, right? Initially, it was just the urban area. But after speaking to my vice chairman, he said, Bruce, you're going to inspire people in rural area. You're going to inspire women. You're going to inspire immigrants. You're going to inspire people who are LGBTQ plus community, right? Because they all have barriers and obstacles to overcome. So it's, it's going to inspire everyone so we can create a level, level playing field for people. But also, my goal is to reach those people who are privileged, give them proximity to what life is like for people who have barriers and obstacles. And hopefully that will breed support, empathy and support to help us along the journey. So that's what I'm trying to do. And also, I want people who are like me in corporate America to basically tell their story, too because it's the most incredible weapon we all have to basically inspire the next generation. And a lot of us try to hide our backgrounds and our story. And my thing is we need to share it. And you say we need to share it. Um, now you're fortunate you shared your background, but there is maybe a concern about people sharing their background and it getting almost used against him, them. Have you ever seen that? Or, or for people that may feel that way, what would be your thoughts? Well, I hope they look at me, right? This is someone who grew up and I didn't hold anything back in this book. And with the feedback I get from a lot of people I'm interviewing with is like, God, as an executive at Microsoft and the vice chair in office, you're sharing more than most people would share. And I'm like, well, you know, I have to be authentic for my people to really accept me. Right. So I'm going to be authentic and tell the truth. So I didn't cut anything out. So that's why I tell people when I interview, there's nothing off limits because I pour it all into the book. Wow. And so this makes me think of there's a show that came out. Well, the movie, The Best Man. And then the, the final chapters was the show that came out. And a lot of his friends, when you share all your truths, sometimes other people get caught up in it. Did you see that as your reality a little bit? Did you have to reach out to people beforehand to let them know you were sharing a story? Like, how did that work? You know, people ask me that all the time. And I said, I didn't do that. I said, because if I did that, then I wouldn't be writing my truth. Mm. I'll be writing everybody else's truth and getting feedback and it wouldn't be my story anymore. So I said, I'm just giving my story. In fact, my daughter said, daddy, be careful. Don't say anything bad about my mother because you have a platform. She doesn't have a platform. I said, well, all I can do is tell my truth. Bruce Jackson, we wish you nothing but the best. Your book, Never Far From Home, we already know, released everywhere February 7th. Go get a copy because there's something in your story that will talk to somebody's story. That's what we, we've gotten from that. So we wish you nothing but the best. And I'm going to be grabbing my copy. Thank you and congratulations to you and everything that you're doing. So as we've seen, whether it's the Grammys, whether it's Pro Bowl, we know we got Super Bowl coming up. Accolades matter. If you're an artist, if you're an athlete, if you're an entertainer, we can always say, yeah, we don't want individual awards. It's not that important. We don't care. But in reality, your legacy is based on those individual awards. And a lot of times we think that you can earn it on the field or get it in on the field, but at a certain point, things get voted on. You have to get selected for the Pro Bowl. We saw All-Star where there were so many snubs that we couldn't even mention them all, but 
When you're thinking about all those things and thinking about athletes and why they go so hard, it's because your legacy is built on it. And don't forget to tap in tomorrow for our exclusive interview with Coach John Mosley from Netflix's Last Chance U Basketball. And as you know, it's a generational thing here at MoCo. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy. Interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood? Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.